to welcome Amy. Amy's going to share uh, some of our story and an amazing message this morning. Let's go. Thanks, honey. Good morning. It's lovely to see you here. Thanks for joining us. Well, it's my absolute privilege to share with you. And uh, it's been a wee while, actually, but I'm excited. So, you know, is there anyone like me that loves a good software update? You know, uh, maybe on your devices, your phone or your iPad or things, it comes up with that little message saying it's time for the latest version. I get quite excited when that happens. I don't necessarily understand quite what it involves because I'm just not that techno um, or even what it's really going to do. But I know that when I click yes, something amazing happens. Uh, The problems get fixed, the software fixed, the software gets upgraded, new features get added, which is always a bonus. And basically, it's like a better version, right? It's so good. Well, this is a little like my message this morning. I actually uh, spoke this message not quite two years ago. And uh, at the time, I think it was good, but actually it lacked a personal story that two years ago I wasn't able to share with you. But today, I'm going to share it for the first time publicly. So I appreciate your prayers, and I'll share it at the end. I'm going to get through my message first. Uh, But, you know, it's time, church, for a better version. For an upgrade, it's time for Extravagant Love 2.0. Come on. (laughs) So, you know, this is a journey that has been uh, Mike and I's journey over the last three years. It's a journey that we have navigated uh, very privately together as a family. And, uh, you know, we've trusted God. We've been obedient and we've trusted that he is so good and that he works all things together for his good and his glory. And, you know, I don't always understand the terms, just like, you know, when my software wants to update. I don't always understand everything, but Mike and I, our heart is to always say yes. To say, yes, God, we accept. So would you pray with me this morning? I need some prayer. (laughs) Father God, I just thank you for this beautiful day. I thank you that this is the day that you have made. Lord, we rejoice in it. We thank you that we can be together in your presence. We thank you, uh, Lord, that worship opens the doors to your goodness. And Father God, it sets our eyes on you, Jesus. And so, Father, as your word goes forth, I just pray that it would change us and transform us to becoming more like your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, if you've got your notes with you this morning, uh, you can uh, read along with me or it'll be on the screen behind me. I'm going to read just a portion of Mark chapter 14. And the context of this passage is it is two days before the Passover, uh, what we know and celebrate now as Easter. And the priests and teachers of the religious law were looking for a way to, uh, to kill and capture Jesus. And so we pick it up in verse 3. And it says, Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. And while he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such an expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, and you can help them whenever you want to, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. 
and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth, whenever the good news of the gospel is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. It's the most beautiful story. And this story speaks this woman we know to be Mary of Bethany. The Bible tells us that in uh, John chapter 11, it's the same Mary that was the sister of Martha and Lazarus, who Jesus uh, raised from the dead. And I believe this is a beautiful, beautiful story of a woman who greatly inspires me uh, to know what it means to truly love extravagantly. You know, I'm going to show my age, but I grew up as a teenager in the 1990s. Hello. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> And uh, one of my favorite Christian bands at the time, actually there weren't a lot of great Christian music, let's face it, in the 90s, but it was DC Talk. DC Talk was like my absolute favorite. And back in 1994, Parachute Music Festival brought them out from the States to New Zealand. This was a very big deal for 15-year-old Amy. I was so excited. <laughs> I had my fangirl thing going on, and I actually had a photo I don't even know how this happened, but I had a photo with Kevin from DC Talk with two of my very good friends. That photo stayed under my pillow for the next year. It was so precious to me until, of course, I met Mike. <laughs> then I thought I'd better take it away. <laughs> but, you know, one of my favorite DC Talk songs uh, was called Love is a Verb. Hey, tell me, haven't you heard? Love Love is a verb. It's time you learned. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you heard. The word love, love, love is a verb. And you know, that has always resonated with me, that love is so much more than words. Actually, real love, extravagant love requires some action, yeah, behind it. And that has always stayed with me. And so it's February and it's the month of love. And so this morning, I have four things to share with you this morning about what I have learned that it means to love extravagantly. Number one, L is for lavish. To lavish means to bestow something in generous or extravagant quantities. Be lavish in your love. I love that Mary, she displayed this. You know, uh, she, the Bible says in Mark 14, 3, she gave a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume. Now, you need to know this perfume was made from the essence of nard. And it was not a cheap $2 shop knockoff perfume, my friends. The Bible says it was made from pure nard, which in biblical times was made from the uh, dried leaves of a rare Himalayan plant. Like this was precious. This was most likely a family heirloom, most likely handed down from mother to daughter, and it would have really, if ever, have been used. And yet Mary lavishes her love upon Jesus, and she takes that beautiful jar of pure nard, and she breaks it open on Jesus's feet. And upon his head, there's a couple of versions of the story, upon his head and upon his feet and wipes it with her hair. You know, this is the same Mary that Luke tells us uh, once was hosting a dinner party for Jesus. And you may have heard this story, but if not, uh, Mary 
actually was one who sat and wanted to listen to Jesus and her sister Martha was busy in the kitchen. And this kind of really upset Martha. And if you know me, I actually love both Mary and Martha. I probably, they're both my favorite messages to preach. So I'm not, you know, you need to go back and listen to my Martha messages because she's amazing too. But in this instance, you know, it's, it, it, it interests me, intrigues me actually, that whenever we tend to meet Mary of Bethany in scriptures, she can appear to be wasting something. You know, Martha thought Mary was wasting her time. The disciples thought Mary was wasting her money, and they scolded her harshly for it. Listen to this. Here they say, they were actually indignant, the Bible says. Why waste such an important perfume? And my question to you is, will you be lavish in your love? Will you display it in generous quantities? Will you overdo it to even the point of waste in some people's opinion? You know, maybe for you, you come here on a Sunday and you serve in our dream team and you go to a small group and you tithe and there may be people in your world who deem that a waste. You know, maybe for you, you're um, really passionate um, it, like me, about teaching your children about God and how he can be so real to them. And you spend time doing that at home, doing your God time books. And people might look on your world and go, well, why would you do that? You know, maybe there's people in, in your world, in your, in your business place, you are living your life with integrity and in your dealings with people, maybe not getting ahead as some would assume that you should be. And that could be deemed a waste. I'm here to tell you that God sees and he does not see it as a waste. In fact, when you lavish your love upon God, he does nothing but praises and honors you for that. And uh, that is what happened to Mary. She was lavish. And some might have thought it was a waste, but Jesus praised her for it. The O for love stands for open. Mary was very open in her love for Jesus. And she was criticized for it. But Jesus, as I said, has heaped on the praise. You know, it was interesting to find out that, you know, the normal custom of Jewish times is that women would serve the men in Jewish culture and then they would recline to another room to eat. They would keep their thoughts to themselves, but not Mary. Oh, no. No, Mary comes into a room full of the disciples, not sure who else was there, but lots of Jewish men, and she openly displayed her love for her Lord. She lavished that beautiful gift of perfume upon Jesus. And you know what? The Bible says they scolded her harshly in verse 5. But that didn't matter to Mary. She was willing to risk it. She was willing to maybe even endure some ridicule and some criticism. You know, Mary risked her reputation because she was open in her love for Jesus. I think that is so inspiring. And I came across while writing this message the words of U.S. President Teddy Roosevelt. And he wrote the most amazing speech. Some of you may have heard it before in 1910. And it's called The Man in the Arena. And I just want to read out some to you. It says, he says, It is not the critic who counts, nor the one who points out how the strong man stumbles, or how the doer of deeds might have done better. But the credit belongs, my friends, to the man, man or the woman who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred with sweat and dust and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes up short again and again, who knows the great enthusiasm, the great devotions, and who spends himself in a worthy cause. 
who if he fails, at least he fails by daring greatly, that his place shall never be with the cold and timid souls who know neither victory or defeat. Wow. That's powerful words right there. You know, there were people in Jesus' day, the chief priests, the teachers of the religious law, they were the ones who were the cold and timid souls who knew neither victory nor defeat. And very sadly, chief among them was Judas, one of Jesus' own disciples. And what I find also fascinating about this story is you have on one end the act of Mary's extravagant love, but it is actually contrasted with Judas' betrayal. See, Mary loved Jesus openly and publicly, but Judas, Judas betrayed Jesus privately and in secret. You know, Mary was criticized harshly for her devotion to the Lord. And it goes on to say that Judas was praised for his deceit. You know, it might appear on the surface that Judas got the better deal, but we know that is not the case. Luke 12, 8 says, I tell you the truth, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, the son of man will acknowledge in the presence of God's angels. Will you love, openly love Jesus with no fear, of ridicule or criticism. Maybe in your workplace, you share that you actually go to church, that you're a Christian, you share what Jesus means to you. Maybe in your school or in your studies, you're not afraid (laughs) to actually say that, you know what, you follow Jesus and he means a lot to you. Will you risk what people may think of you? I think that's a huge one for me. Over my life, it has caused me much anxiety. I think it's been the cause of my anxiety. A lot of my anxiety is, what will people think? That question, that human question, well, what will people think? And you know, I am learning, not yet always there, but learning to care more about what God thinks than what people think. And you know, for me, counseling has been a huge part in me finding freedom and tools to break through. You know, last week, Mike spoke a message about clearing the land and about actually one of the keys to doing that is asking for help. And you know me, I'm such an advocate for Christian counseling, so I'm just going to go there again. But you know, sometimes in life, we actually need expert help. And in the Elam movement, um, Christian counselors are pastoral care experts. They're great at what they do. Don't wait like me. I waited far too long. I wish in my 20s I'd gone and got some expert help to help me overcome some of the areas where I cared far more about what people thought than actually what God thought. That's just a side. My little note to you, my encouragement to you. So let your love be open. Thirdly, real love, extravagant love is one that is voluntary. You know, love can never be demanded. You know that, eh? We live in that world. Love can never be demanded. It can only be volunteered. It can only be given. And God has given us free choice, free choice to love him and to love people in our world. He'll never demand it of us. He would never demand that we love him. It is a choice we all need to make. And you know, I love that Mary, she freely gave. She gave The Bible says what she could. She had that beautiful heart. And I've heard it said many times, you will never be more like God than when you give. You will never be more like God than when you give. So give. Give of yourself. Give of who you are, your time, your money, your resources, what God has blessed you with. The scriptures say of Mary in verse 9, she has done what she could. 
So I say to you, bring what you can. Bring what you can. God is not asking you for what you don't have. Do you know he's asking for what you do have? He's asking for what you do have. So freely give. I think of the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And he says, there's a young boy here who's got five barley loaves and two fishes. And the disciples go on to say, well, what good is that going to be to feed this huge crowd of people? And I was thinking, you know, there were probably many others who had their lunch that day. I'm like, come on. They were, you know, I'm sure no one, you know, was that disorganized that they didn't think to bring some food with them. But, you know, it was that boy who offered what he could, just like Mary. And you know what? God took it and he did a miracle with it. He got to be part of uh, God working the miraculous. And I want to encourage you to bring what you can, to bring what God has blessed you with. And you know the amazing thing about God is that there will always be leftovers. There will always be overflow when God is in the mix of our miracles, yeah? Yeah. There will always be overflow, so bring what you can, because it won't just bless you, it will bless others, and there will always be leftovers. Twelve baskets full, in that story's case. Isn't that cool? So let your love be voluntary, and watch what God will do. You can never outgive him. And lastly, so love is lavish, love is open. Love is voluntary, and love is E for expensive. And all the ladies in here say a giant amen to that. Yes. <laughs> you know, extravagant love is expensive. Extravagant love will always cost you. It will always cost you, but it will always be worth it. You know, here's Mary, that beautiful bottle of perfume, that essence of pure nard, the Bible tells us was worth more than a year's wages. Can you imagine giving a year's, a year's salary to Jesus or to anyone as an act of love? Like that is expensive. That is costly and beautiful. And Judas, on the other hand, he sold the Lord cheaply. 30 pieces of silver equivalent to five weeks worth of wages. Let your love be expensive. I, um, I think of another character in the Bible, David. David was, the Bible says, a man after God's own heart. I really, I really resonate with David. He wrote many psalms, many songs to God. And, you know, he's someone also that didn't always get it right. You know, he made mistakes. And one time in 2 Samuel 24, he decided to take a census when God hadn't asked him to. And as a result, the people of Israel were punished. There was a plague uh, that went on for three days. And David had an opportunity to build an altar to God and to worship him and to plead um, for God's mercy. And uh, there's a character in the Bible called Aranua. And Aranua wanted to offer a threshing floor or a place of worship for David for free. But David knew that extravagant love is expensive. And he says these words in 2 Samuel 24. 24, no, I insist on paying for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. You see, it's not extravagant love unless it costs you. Unless it costs you. You know, I think of Mike, uh, almost 20 years ago, bought my wedding and engagement rings. And I think at the time they were about $1,200, which having just done a, a full-time course and first year of working, like that was expensive. It cost him. 
it costs him, I'd like to think he thinks that it's still worth it. <laughs> because let's face it, I've cost him a lot more since then. <sighs> oh, but extravagant love, I know, he totally thinks it's worth it, eh, honey? But extravagant love will cost you. It will cost you, but do it anyway. And watch what God will do. Matthew sixteen twenty four says, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. You know, if the team would like to come. You know, Mary had no idea of the eternal significance of her act of extravagant love. She was just bringing what she could. She was just being generous. She was openly uh, displaying her love for her Lord. She gave freely. But she had no idea that she was actually anointing Jesus' body ahead of time for his burial. And I want to say to you this morning that extravagant acts of, of love actually have great purpose attached. They have great purpose attached, and it's God who attaches the purpose. He is so amazing. And would Mary ever imagined that what she did was just bringing what she could, would actually have been woven into the story of the good news of Jesus Christ. I love that. You know, our acts of love have great purpose attached, more than we could ever know or imagine. You see, our life exists for more than just us. Our giving has eternal consequences. Our faith speaks beyond our lifetime. I want to live like that to you. Jesus says this to Mary in the Passion Translation, Mark 14, 9, I promise you that as this wonderful gospel spreads all over the world, the story of her lavish devotion will be mentioned in memory of her. Extravagant acts of love have great purpose attached. So love extravagantly. And I just want to end by sharing a personal story, if that's okay. It's a story that I have not shared publicly, a story that spans 15 years. So if I need to read some of it, bear with me, because <laughs> I want to get it out right. Almost 10 years ago, to the day, at the end of February in 2009, I was in labor with our eldest child, Rosie Grace. After five years of trying, believing, praying for God to do a miracle. He did. And with the help of fertility treatment, she was on her way. And I labored for a long time. And while I was laboring, Mike, as a good husband, good husband does, was in the spare room. And while he was in the spare room, it's like, what else could he do to help me in my pain? He decided that he would write his first book. I know, and it's an amazing book, and it's called The Rose Princess and the Special Gift. And so while I labored with Rosie, he did what he knew he could do. He wrote a book. And this book is all about a young princess who was given three gifts by her father. And as she journeyed throughout her day, she came across people in the kingdom who needed those gifts more than she did. And so she freely gave. And she thought by the end of the day she was scared to go and see her father because she thought that he would be angry with her. But on the contrary, he couldn't have been prouder. Couldn't have been prouder of his daughter for freely giving those gifts to people who needed them more than she did. And it's a beautiful story. And you know, little did we know, it was a prophetic picture of what our family 
would become. You know, we've always been very open with our fertility journey. We have shared multiple sermons, shared with many couples over the past 15 years. And some of all you will, you will know that I have shared before in my sermons that our two oldest children, Rosie and Josiah, are both IVF babies. Rosie in our first cycle was the only embryo to survive. Josiah, on the other hand, his cycle was textbook perfect. He was a fresh embryo transfer that is our Josiah James. And we were blessed to have three frozen embryos. And we always intended to go back and use our frozen chosen, as we named them, our frozen chosen. But then something amazing happened in 2014, just before we moved back to Whangarei. Many of you will know I got pregnant naturally, first time in a decade. Mike's really proud of that. Our third child, Zoe Hope. (laughs) And there was only ever going to be two options for us. Use our frozen children ourselves or donate them to a couple who couldn't have their own genetic children. And then we remembered the book, The Rose Princess and the Special Gift, and we knew what God was asking us to do. It was hard, but at the same time, an easy decision. Because when you've walked with God for a little while, you get to learn to know his voice, the whisper of the Holy Spirit speaking to you. We knew that God was asking us to donate. You know, embryo donation or pre-birth adoption is not something that is widely known of in New Zealand or talked about, but it is an amazing option for couples in our situation to give life. And you know, I forgot to mention, but after my very difficult pregnancy with Zoe, I journeyed a mental wellness journey that I have also shared here before. And I struggled with pre and postnatal depression. And we just knew, we prayed, and we just knew our family of five was complete. So we prayed and we asked God to send us the most amazing Christian couple our way who could not have their own genetic children. And then there was a Facebook post. You knew that social networking was going to factor in this story somewhere. (laughs) Through mutual friends, we came across a beautiful Christian couple who God handpicked for us. The answer to our prayers and theirs. And we had the most incredible sense of God's leading and his peace. And so began a process that has taken some time. Uh, In New Zealand, you have to get ECART ethics approval. You need to have a lot of counselling. But on Mother's Day in 2017, this beautiful couple who thought their dream of having a family would never eventuate became a reality. And in early 2018, they were able to carry and give birth to a beautiful, healthy baby girl. Her name means beautiful resurrection. Isn't that just lovely? Her name means beautiful resurrection. She is our biological child but she is their daughter. She is the sibling to our children, but the term we use with our kids who all know is she's their sister cousin. She's their sister cousin. We like that, it works well for us. (laughs) And only God, 
only God could take what was a very long fertility struggle for Mike and I, bless us with three beautiful, healthy children, and then take that and use it to help someone else have their miracle. Like only God could do that. He is so good. We honor you. Only God could write such a beautiful story. We won't be sharing who they are and we won't be sharing where they live. But I wanted to show you a photo of us at a recent catch up. <laughs> she's beautiful, she's a miracle, and she's a gift. She's such a gift from God to this couple. And you know what? Our kids think she's pretty cool. They think she's so cool. <laughs> May Elinfano, God is not asking for what you don't have. He is asking for what you do have. So love extravagantly. For you, it might not be donating your embryos like us. <laughs> but you will know what that is for you. And if you don't, ask God. Because he's asking for what you do have. Maybe for you, it's forgiving someone in your family, someone who has really hurt you, close to you. Maybe for you, it's extending love and patience to your children. Maybe for some of us, it is giving the gift of kindness or giving a monetary gift of generosity or giving a gift to be able to help someone else, yeah? God is asking for what you do have. And I'm telling you, if you give it to God freely and openly, and you know what? Sometimes it will cost you dearly. But I'm telling you that he is a great and faithful God. And he loves to work all things together for his good and his glory. And isn't that the point of our lives, church? Is that our lives would shine with Jesus. That people might not look at us, but people might look at him. And see how good he is. That he has lavished upon us all. You see, maybe you're here today and someone invited you into this place and we're so glad that you are here and you know that you don't know this Jesus that I speak of you don't know him personally I want to say today you can he loved you so much the Bible says that he gave his son Jesus so that all we would not perish but that we would have everlasting life and you know he takes it a step further he says but to all those who received him to all those who believe in his name he would give us the right to be adopted into his family, to become children of God. Isn't that beautiful? And I just want to close my message, as we always do, by giving people an opportunity to come to know their heavenly Father. And you come to know him by accepting Jesus, accepting that, you know what, we've all sinned, we've all messed up. You know what, we're human. And God, he loved us so much that he sent Jesus to be amongst our humanity amongst our mess and he was perfect fully God and fully man and he came to give his life on a cross he lavishly poured out his blood shed for each one of you he openly hung on a cross and he died but he did not stay dead my friends three days later he rose from the dead and because he lives we can face tomorrow because he lives, all our fear and shame is gone. He freely, voluntarily gave his life and it cost him everything. But he did it just for you. 
did it just for you. So I want to invite you to pray. Pray with me. It's what we do here at Elam, and we all love to pray together. And if you want to say, Amy, count me in. You want to say, Amy, I, I need to get my life right with God for the first time or maybe coming back to him. You know, he loves you so much and it would be an honor to pray together. So church, shall we do that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. I believe that you, Jesus, died on the cross for my sin. I believe that you, Jesus, rose to life to give me life. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me for doing life my own way. Today I choose to live for you and to put you first. I receive your love. I receive your grace. In Jesus' name. And with every head bowed and eye closed, if you prayed that prayer, could be for the first time or coming back to God, do you just want to be brave today and just give me a wave so that I know who I can pray for? We'd love to get alongside you. We won't embarrass you. But is there anyone here who prayed that prayer for the first time or coming back to God this morning? Thank you. Thank you. That's so awesome. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. That's wonderful. Anyone else here today? Wonderful. Isn't God good? If you prayed that prayer and you didn't put your hand up, why don't you fill that in on your Connect card? We'd love to get alongside you. You know what? God doesn't promise us an easy life. (laughs) He's a cost of following Him. But he promises that he will always walk with us, that he will never forsake us, and that he will turn all things for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purposes, for those who are called children, sons and daughters of God. So come on, let's give him some praise this morning, and I'll hand back to Mike. Thanks, Amy. Thanks for sharing with, with incredible courage um, a story that I, I think we can all, we can all relate to, to the, the heart of, of God's love for us. And uh, at this point in the service, uh, we're going to receive our tithes and offerings. If you're visiting with us, uh, just let the buckets go past. This is uh, something we do uh, voluntary as a gift of uh, our love to God. And so I just want to encourage you as, as you give today, may you... Uh, just realize that, that what you give and, and your time and your resource makes a difference in people's lives. And I, you know, just, I, I pray that God would bless you, that God would encourage you as uh, you faithfully serve him. And uh, you know what, if you, uh, anything happened in the service that uh, you're really just got you thinking about something, maybe you want to sign up for a growth track or get involved in something, get in a small group, or maybe you just need prayer for some things. Maybe there's some mountains you want to see moved. Make sure you fill in a connect card and either drop it in the bucket or put in the information area after the service. So uh, let me pray as we receive our offering. Father, we thank you. Lord, that all we have is yours. Thank you.